Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on, we would like to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, plus there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Love makes you go all in, but love is also a motherfucker. She's Gotta Have It Season 2, Episode 3 and 4. Make sure you guys stay tuned because we will be talking about it. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz... Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. What's up? I am your girl, Nakia Monet. This is She's Gotta Have It Season 2, Part de, And we are reviewing Episodes 3 and 4. Again, I am Nakia Monet, and I'm here with some beautiful co-hosts. Hey, everyone. I'm Mina Wahab. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Drew Jones. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good. Yes. So last time we were here, uh, we reviewed episodes one and two, and we're taking it a little bit slow, but we got you guys. Don't worry, because I know it's already on Netflix, and I know everyone binged it over the weekend, so we are going to try to get these shows out for you. Uh, Today, we're also going to do some news and gossip. Drew has some news and gossip, and we do have a segment that we're going to kind of recycle from last year, which is F, marry, or kill, because it's fun. Who doesn't want to talk about people they want to F, marry, and kill? And all that good stuff. Um, before we get into everything, how did you guys like the two? We're gonna start with episode three. So, how did you guys like episode three? Oh, for both. How did you like both episodes? Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked that it just showed such real emotions of the breakup. And I'm trying not to like jumble up what I saw in episode five. So I'm like, um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was good. I I I get excited when I see. Um, you know, DeWanda Wise's character and, like, how she just has genuine excitement when she finally gets, like, something working for her career-wise. Like, it made me... Like, I genuinely felt the happiness for her. And so for something that's not real to, like, make you feel that intensity of joy for another another character was a pretty pretty good feeling. That's awesome. What about you, Drew? How'd you like the episodes? We kind of talked about it earlier, but Spike Lee got that Oscar and he's kind of like, alright, I'm gonna let y'all know how I really feel now. And I'm personally really here for it. I like the ruffling of feathers that we're seeing so far in topics being discussed. And I'm yes. excited to talk about yes. it. Yes. Two really good episodes. So we're gonna start with episode three. Three is my favorite number. This episode is called Hashtag Love Stings and baby, that's what we got. Because when we come into episode three, we recap episode two where Opal breaks Nola's little heart. So in this episode, you know, Nola is dealing with the breakup. And we all know what happens when we deal with the breakup. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't work. You're stressed out. Uh, Am I missing anything (laughs) when you're dealing with the breakup? Um, Homegirl's back in therapy. So what were your feels watching Nola go through this? Were you triggered? Were you like, damn, I remember what this felt like? Were you like, okay, I'm happy that her and Opal are no longer together. Did you think it was going to hurt this much? Because we see her kind of break down in therapy, you know, and she expresses how she feels about her ex. Um, My grandma says that for every year you're with somebody, you get a month to get over them. And so... (laughs) So they were together for almost like... Two years. So I'm like, okay, this, you know, I'm going to let her dabble in this. I felt for her, though, because I feel like as an artist, and we're artists in our own way, um, when you're going through some type of emotional turmoil, 
sometimes it's great for your art, but then sometimes it's like a huge plug. Yeah. So I was feeling for her. It was tough. What about you, Mina? Did you feel any feels when you were seeing her go through everything, yelling at Mars? Yeah. Leave me alone. Go away. Homegirls crying, getting rid of all the photos in the apartment. I think that's the hardest part is that, you know, like, you know, for me at least, I don't get rid of anything. It doesn't matter yeah. if a friendship <laughs> ends, if anything ends. I'm like an emotional hoarder. So I'll, I'll like take stuff, put it on my external hard drive, put it away Same. out of sight. But I don't, like, <laughs> for some people, no. it's super therapeutic to just, like, burn everything and yeah. get rid of it and have a nice little, uh, like, powwow, whatever. But um, for for me, at least, I feel like it's, like, that person has, like, a certain place in time, and yeah, they hurt you, but, like, it takes, it takes forever to get over that. Yeah. The two month, or the one month per year rule, like, that sounds really quick. It's like, I feel like it takes way longer when someone's such a pivotal part of your life. No. Um, you, I, know, you know what I think it is, though? Because though it may be, like, one month, it feels like forever. Yeah. It feels like an eternity. It feels like a year. Because a day... Like, I can speak for myself. Going through heartbreak, a day feels like five years. And sometimes when you're really sad and depressed, you're like, I just want this day to be over with. So sometimes you're, listen, baby, I've been through it all. I didn't get out of bed. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. (laughs) And I remember, like, weeks later, I started to feel better. But you do get triggered and you feel sad. But weeks later, I was like, okay, I'm bugging. Like, what am I doing? And then I'd be triggered by something and be like, okay, I'm not healed yet. So I think a day just feels like an eternity. And I think you're allowed to... Not allow, because, you know, you are your own person. You're allowed to feel how you feel. But I think health-wise, a month is enough time to, like, be deep up in it. Yeah, because you, know? you will let too much time go by. It's, it's if, yeah, too much. Yeah, if you sit in your misery and whatnot, that becomes your normal. So Listen, I'll yeah. like a boy for, like, a day and a crush in my head, and then I'll be sad for two days. So, <laughs> <laughs> triggered. Okay, speaking about triggered... <laughs> Jamie and Cheryl Overstreet. Mm-hmm. Now, Jamie, you know, is doing his thing, but he's being a little weird because he's been fishy and he's seen his wife receive some beautiful Cartier jewelry. And I think like most men and women, when they cheat, I think they think that their partner is going to sit at home and take what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But little Miss Cheryl, not only did she cuss out his mistress, seems like she's living her best life. So Jamie follows her and finds her snooping in a hotel with a very fine young man who blows her back out on the window. How are you guys feeling? Were you happy for Cheryl? Or you still want to beat her ass? Or you're like, whatever. Do you think this is what's deserved for Jamie to see his wife going into a hotel with someone else? I'm not a fan of Cheryl, but I still have, like, from woman to woman, I'm like, good for you, mm-hmm. sis. Um, also, that person's name was Drew, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but I just, like, Jamie and men like Jamie truly infuriate me like no other because you have the audacity to be emotionally and mentally abusive because cheating is a form of Mm -hmm. abuse. I don't care. You don't, you are not respecting someone who has committed themselves to you and you're playing with their emotions and then you expect them to stick around and then you have some weird type of ownership over them when they choose to just like do them. And so, like, the whole time I'm like, the audacity of this. Man, <laughs> like, ugh, he just made me so angry. So, like, you know, yeah, feel feel like garbage, Jamie, because you are. You are kind of garbage. What about you, Mina? I just want to know the timeline of everything, because I don't like Cheryl. I feel like they both did each other wrong. Like, why is Jamie the only bad guy? It takes two to ruin a relationship, right. and... 
you know, they had that whole conversation last episode where she's like, you're going to blame me and say that it was my fault and this and that. It's like, if you got, like, a Cartier necklace, mm. how long was this going on on your end? Right. You know, either. like, I want to know, like, it probably happened around the same time. Like, no, I'm not happy for her. I'm right. not happy for either of them. I think they're both trash. Like, I th- Sorry, I, mean, I was going to say, I think with Jamie and Cheryl... I think this has been a thing where they've been married for what, Robbie, they've known each other their whole lives. And I think when she pointed out in season one, he's been cheating their whole relationship. And not to counteract and be like, to, you know, makes her right. But I think from what I look at it, if the husband's been cheating the whole time, I think she probably got to a point where like, I'm fed up. And where she was crying, she was depressed, I'm taking care of your kid, I'm doing my thing. And I also think, like, when they had the divorce talk, like, I don't think she wants to leave her husband, but I think when she's seen where her husband invested into this other relationship, when she's like, well, damn, if he's emotionally out and trying to leave me, why can't I be charmed by my hot-ass co-worker who wants to buy me a drink? And maybe one thing led to another, and then I think her seeing Nola... I think I don't know. Yeah, I also that's my my. I also thought. just want to bring up that between season two and season one, it's been an eighteen month time period. Yeah. And last season, she was done with the situation. She was like, the Nola thing had blown up, and she was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So I don't think she's in the wrong, and I also don't agree with the it takes two to ruin a relationship because I think it takes one per if one person doesn't respect it, then it's like yeah, like. I don't like the idea of blaming cheating on her because, like, whether she was bitchy or not, you have full capability to walk away from a situation. If you're not happy, you have full capability. Like, there's nothing there that's, like, you're not stuck in it. You know what I'm saying? So, I I mean, and I don't like her as a person. I'm not, like, I want to kiki with this girl. But I do think good for her for kind of being like, you know what? I'm gonna step out. I'm good. Like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Cheryl. I'm kind of like on both, where I do think I'm happy that she's getting in. I wanted Jamie to hear it. But on one end, I just kind of, I hate when couples do this. I feel like, just get the divorce, just break up. Yeah. If homie's cheating or you're cheating, just leave each other instead of doing this game where now my crazy half-ex-husband is stalking me. But half of me was like, yes, Jamie, walk up to that hotel and listen to her have amazing sex. And I believe that they had sex too, Jamie and Cheryl recently. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if now he's triggered. I don't know if because now he's not dealing with all his other boos and girlfriends, if that's why he's stalking her. But... Hey, I'm happy that she was able to get it, and I am interested, and I hope that they delve more into see who this guy is, because I, like you said, I mean, I'm interested to see how long they've been kicking it, but mm-hmm. I'm happy that he blew her back out. Yes. Uh, goals. Uh, <laughs> our guy Mars, who I feel like is everyone's favorite story mm-hmm. of Mars. Um, Drew, you said earlier, well, Spike does a thing where he likes to bring up current events, and what we've been seeing a lot lately, and we've been hearing a lot about Puerto Rico. So for those who know, Puerto Rico was in the news because they had that horrible, horrible, horrible hurricane and being one of our states being part of our country the united states didn't do anything to help them so i love that spike brings this up a few times because we have mars talking about puerto rico his sister talking about puerto rico um but the start the story of mars mars is now couch surfing he's going from nola's place to kalindra's place to maybe his sister's place but she doesn't really have a place anymore what are your feelings on mars he's trying to work he does uber eats He's trying to get his little life together. Do you guys see a happy ending for Mars? Or do you think it's a good idea for him to be sleeping on clothes, couch? Because remember, they also had a thing. Yeah. I think more than anything, what I took from Mars's story, it, and I think this is what Spike is trying to say, is like, his sister literally was thinking about going back to Puerto Rico after what happened in Puerto Rico. And I think like as a country, that should be so 
fucking embarrassing mm-hmm. that we would like that people of color would rather go back to their home countries that are in dismay rather than stay in this country because this country hates us so much and like does so many things to push us out and I just like I don't know watching Mars struggle was just really hard for me to watch um because like he's such a good person and he really is working towards just making you know two two ends come together and like as the daughter of an immigrant and stuff and knowing like how much this country does not mess with us and constantly tries to push us out. It was just, like, it's hard to watch. Like, Mm -hmm. gentrification's, like, it infuriates me more than anything in this world. So, I love Mars because he has such a sunny disposition, but it is really hard to watch him struggle because it's, like, this isn't, these aren't, like, choices he made that put him in a struggling position. It's Mm -hmm. tough. It's tough. What about you, Mina? Yeah, no, I totally, I think that was perfectly stated. I feel like you see his generosity despite how, like his little means like he takes the the tip money he has from uber eats and he gives it to you know he gives it away and it's like wow and you know he does the right thing like no pun intended but you know he even like gives the 20 dollars for the the lost key like he always like tries to do the right thing and he always tries to like you know, he's struggling and he's still, like, money is an issue for him. Clearly, he doesn't have money and he still isn't trying to, like, cut corners, isn't trying to, like, cheat, isn't trying to do, like, you know, things to get ahead that, like, we see so much white-collar crime in this country mm-hmm. and people at the top taking advantage. And then we see someone like Mars who is legitimately struggling and it's like, how do you have empathy for someone at the top who cheats on their taxes and... Like, who, when when there is so much white-collar crime, and then it's like, oh, but, oh, these people were just asking for it? Oh, it's like, oh, that's not my problem? I mean, I feel like there is, like, this attitude in this country from, like, a lot of people where it's like, oh, like, you got yourself into this situation with people not understanding, like, no, there's a lot of income inequality and you could be in that situation mm-hmm. too and that's what it was just watching mars and his sister it, it, absolutely right like we can all of us could be in that situation because they went from living in their apartment and you know <laughs> it was one of those things where a lot of people do when one fa- mom or dad moves out and they leave you the house they don't let the renters know that they left you on the lease because that's how we're passing it down to our kids and that's what some people have to do so it's it's unfortunate but i watched it i was like damn this is triggering but it's also real life um speaking about triggering shemekka saves the day. Mm. I love Shemekka so much. I love the way she talks. I love everything about this girl. Um, But she's healing. She's emotionally healing. She's physically healing. She's trying to take care of her beautiful daughter. She's doing hair and coming up with products. Um, And I got a little nervous at first watching this episode. Same. When my homegirl put up to the motel and I was like, is she going to get the surgery or is she going to get it in and um, I was so proud of her, but I also felt for her because when she broke down in that hotel room and had the, you know, Nola goes to therapy, but not everyone can go to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So to have like a Shemekka break down and cry in the arms of like the detective woman and she just breaks down in the hotel room. How did you guys feel in that scene? Were you guys also as nervous as I was? I'm like, baby girl, please don't get no shots. I did not know what was going on. I did not <laughs> predict that at all. Yeah. I had no idea what was happening. I was like, at first I was like, is this a, fl- this isn't a flashback. Is she going back? None of this is making sense to me. And then she doesn't take the pill, and I'm like, okay, obviously something's up. What is she about to do? Then you see everyone break in, and it's like, wow, oh, this is something she's been planning. And it's just like, my heart was like beating. I was just like, oh my god, like, you know, they probably know where she works, and Mm -hmm. they probably know, like, the people associated with her. So the whole time I was thinking, oh, this isn't over, like, you know 
where's the guy, like, who has the money? Right. You know, they didn't get the guy who got paid off, but they got the girl, and, like, is there going to be something where they come back for her because she ratted out a very lucrative underground business for them? So, I don't know. She, yeah, it was a hard decision to make, but I love what the detective was saying, like, you know, don't worry, think about how many lives you've saved by doing this, but it kind of feels like she was going to be, like, some sort of martyr where, like, maybe they're going to come after her. Oh, God, I hope not. I hope not. I love Shemekha, and I love what I feel like Spike was trying to say in all this, and it's like backdoor, like, you know, shots and stuff like this have always been so confusing to me because the whole reason that this even came about was because non-black people were trying to copy black bodies because, like, they were considered fashionable or beautiful, just not on black bodies for some reason. But, um... This whole thing kind of just made me feel like not all skin folk are kin folk, and like Babe. the profiting off of black pain and whatnot, like was just I don't know. This whole thing was just really hard for me to watch, especially just because like you're paying money to look like what you already look like, but society has told you that your body as is isn't enough because. Right. But at the same time, white girls and Kardashians and whatnot are you know, doing the same thing to get our bodies and it's cool on them, but it's not on us, but we also have to pay to look like, like, it's just like this ongoing cycle and it just like was really hard to watch and I'm, I hope nothing happens to Shemekha because I love her and I think she's such a strong character and I love the dynamic of her and her daughter. Um, And I was also, I thought the tea tree oil thing was funny (laughs) just because I literally put, tell people to put tea tree oil on everything. Yes, two Jamaicans. Two Jamaican, that's why I just did that. (laughs) Don't come for me. Um, No, I loved it because it does shine a light of what's actually happening. There are people dying. There are young black girls, women of color, mostly black girls, going to these motel rooms because they can't afford to go to Beverly Hills or go to Dr. Miami. Hey, Dr. Miami. Um, And get those surgeries. So they're, you know, they're going in motels and these people are sticking them with cement and bullshit and putting mm-hmm. it in their body and these girls are dying so I'm happy that Spike I love I just love Spike Lee y'all know I have a thing for Spike yeah. Lee that's my guy he, he gives us a lot of history and he breaks down a lot of other things so I'm happy that he shines a light on it um, wrapping out episode 3 our girl Nola is kind of working um, you know she goes and she meets with the ad people and I love the girl talking to her at the ad space Miss Jamila and keeping it real with her but they're really interested in her art and her piece um, and Nola also gets an unexpected call to head to Martha's Vineyard to Nation Time Black Artists Convention oh, Retreat and Martha's Vineyard. So, what were you guys, your thoughts on when she met with Jamila in the campaign? Like, do you guys think that they're going to honor how she wants to keep it? Because, you know, she's concerned about selling out. But I like what her therapist told her. Like, hey, sometimes people's pain can be something for something good for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Where they can now look at it and they can be like, you know what? Someone else went through what I went through. Yeah. I have something to look at. What about you guys? I One, I felt like when um, Shemekha's daughter was like listening to the music and stuff, I felt like that was like a ting of inspiration for yeah. uh, Nola when she was watching that, and I hope it kind of comes back around. But I love the Jamila thing just because I, I know for me personally, I'm often the only black producer on sets, and so it's a really big deal to me to make sure that like black representation's there. And so I thought it was dope for Jamila too. Um, be like, I fought really hard for this because I know that this is important. I know that you like, we need you. Like, we can't just take this. We need you to like make it great because a lot of industries just copy us and don't give us the credit and right. don't give us the coin. Um, Fashion Nova looking at you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, they profit and whatnot. And then it's just like, you're not bringing the people who are inspiring into the room, and there's this disconnect there. So I thought it was dope that she 
took that liberty to push for Nola to be in the room. Yeah, about you, Mina. I also love that she kind of cut the crap and she was like, listen, I know this is not your vision. (laughs) I don't like it either. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do. I had a conversation with them. Like, we're here to work with you. We're not here to, like, tell you what we want the vision to be. We want you to be happy with it as well. And I think that's so important because here you are bringing on an artist and it's like, it's about, well, what's their vision? Like, you have two separate visions. How are you going to, like bring it together because you initially wanted her for her art right right? so like you can't like take that and then appropriate it and make it what you want it (laughs) to be with the faces you want so i i really appreciated that she was so genuine about it where she's like no we're gonna make this work like don't worry like i I felt yeah i felt happy i was like shout out to you jamila girl yeah because it's usually like that and sometimes it's the opposite where the person who looks like you in the room doesn't really have your back at well as well so to have jamila said girl i feel you i'm here i hope that that relationship stays that way so (laughs) to just transition and let's get on into episode four hashtag nation time um I love that what Dutch said, the best way to get over someone. I thought she was going to say to get on top of them, but she said to get into your art. And that's what Nola Darlin does because she is heading to Nation Times Black Artist Expo, which I didn't even know was a thing. And Martha's Vineyard, which is so beautiful. I now want to go to Martha's Vineyard. Um, I'm from New York, but I grew up in Boston. So Martha's Vineyard, <laughs> it's like a thing. Um, so Nola and Dutch, they pull up to Martha's Vineyards for the National Black Artist Com- experiment convention I guess Mm. you can say Uh, Nola settles in um, because this is a convention where they kind of let you work for seven days to get inspired and it looks like our girl cannot get inspired because she's distracted and she does not know what she wants to do Um, what were your thoughts on this when she first entered the scene what were your thoughts on Dutch and all that good stuff and her heading to Martha's Vineyard uh, like I said at the very beginning, I was so happy. Like, I felt like I was going to cry. Like, it felt, like, so real. Like, wow, like, you endure all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the last episode, she was like, I have totally forgot that I applied to this. <laughs> and it's funny how things that you totally forget about catch up to you because you're still always putting in the work. Yeah. And it's like, you get rewarded for that. You just don't see that things are working in your favor because you have all these horrible things happening to you. And then you don't realize, oh, these things that are happening to me are happening for me, like what Maria Menounos always says, you know, like, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you, and the minute you begin to see that and, like, really adopt that philosophy, you can be like, you know what, like, we're gonna get through this, we're gonna get to the next point, I might not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I know it's there, and I just have to have (laughs) faith, you know, faith in the process and in the journey, so I was so happy, I mean, obviously, (laughs) there were some questionable things with where the money came from, and we'll get into that later but um for the most part i was happy because i was like okay things are looking up for her yeah yeah i was definitely hopeful that things were going to come together but as we saw you know things work out differently (laughs) but i think despite everything i think this was a necessary trip and i do think she took something from it whether it was like something tangible that she could actually grasp like her art or if it was just like you know kind of a a sense of healing which i kind of think we saw in that so i was i was hyped for i was hyped i definitely want to go to martha's vineyard it was beautiful and we Mm -hmm. learned some history and i'll break some of that down as well and that's what i love about spike lee uh but nola meets ulu ulu if i'm saying his name right with the beautiful arms a nice sexy man who does sculptures out of cow dung which is amazing (laughs) i don't know how but um 
do we kind of see him being a new love interest? Because at the end, he does give her a card and say, tells her like to stay in touch. And he's an artist, like she's an artist, so that's something that she has in common with him. Were you guys feeling him? Do you see him as a new like boo thing or no? I like Olu. I think that he is going to challenge her. But in a, I feel like from what I've seen of him so far, I think he challenges her in a way that isn't, um, like he's not looking to correct her, right. which we kind of saw with Opal. Like it's almost like Opal would bait her just so that Opal could then correct her. And Jamie was also the same way. I right. think with Olu, he's very, he's interested in hearing her perspective and like bouncing ideas off of it. So I like him so far. He's a looker. He has really nice arms. Were you feeling Olu? I was, but for some reason I wasn't sure if I was feeling them together. Got you, And got even, you. like, from the beginning, the way he was, like, staring her down, it just, like, I started thinking about, like, all the awkward things that we never, like, <laughs> fully realize when we're, like, flirting with people in the beginning, and when you really break it down, like, it's kind of weird to just, like, stare at someone, and then, like, like, it's just funny when you, like, really think about how relationships come to be in yeah. that, like, courting process in the beginning, but, um... I think it's awesome for, like, two artists to hit it off and have that inspiration with each other. But I don't know what it is. I feel like, um, like, there's something about him that I really like that's genuine and grounded. And I feel like Nola really needs that. Um, but I don't know if I see them together yet. Like, it's way too early to tell if they're yeah. a good pairing or not. But he was a great thing to look at. Um, yeah, I want him for me, though. Same. Yeah. <laughs> when she was watching him naked, uh, sculpting, and I was like, girl, I feel all the feels. Because he looks very good naked. Um, if the roles were reversed, that would be really creepy. If he was, Damn. like, just, like, outside watching, I'd be, be like, creepy. that's a little creepy. But me, I'd be like, come on in, sir. Come sculpt with me like ghosts. Um, well, speaking of something that we don't like looking at, Dean. Dean is there. And we learned that the money from this amazing project that they're doing in Martha's Vineyard, some of it's coming from Dean's gentrifying ass, a.k.a. Onyx. Um, and it causes Nola to have a panic attack because, you know, we remember from season one, he was the one that was defacing the art. He was the one that got, um, what's his name, in trouble, who spent like 18 months in jail. Poppy. He also is a big gentrifier, and Spike is making it very clear this season he's not playing with his show. He's going to let you know that there are certain white people who came in and they're gentrifying the whole thing, mm-hmm. and that's what we see for Dean. And he does the whole jive and shucking jive. So what are you guys' thoughts on him and how did you feel with him being there and being responsible and how did you feel with Nola calling his ass out? It reminds me of when the African American Museum um, in D.C. came out and it come to find out it was heavily funded by like one white guy in particular and people were kind of just like I don't know how I feel about this but which I don't have a problem when white people want to fund for black voices what I have a problem is when it's when you, you almost one, when you try to overly compensate and relate to our pain. He said something that really triggered me personally when he was talking about his grandfather who was in the Holocaust. And then, and then he, but he, because he fell out of a tire, blah, blah, blah. But I always, I wanted, I like, I just, I feel it's always interesting because I, I and I'm sure you do too, mm-hmm. people always want to compare black pain with other cultures' pain. We are the only race that has gone through what we've gone through with no repercussions, with no recognition. It's like slavery is bad, but that's about the extent of it. And then when you think about it, it's over 200 years of this torture of an entire country, an entire group of people, and it's never recognized. But everyone seems to be like, oh, well, 
you know, triggered me to some conversations I had in high school with a few yeah. <laughs> people it's like, who it's like the Holocaust and I, what they're. I can relate because the Holocaust. It's like, but there were you were there were things that happened like to put you in a better place after the Holocaust. The Holocaust was absolutely horrible, right? But justice was served. Yeah, you know, slavery. We to this day, it's 2019. And to this day. And, and things have still not happened. There's no other group of people who have been through what the black community has been through and not had some sort of, you know. A 40 acres and a mule. That's, that's all we're asking. That's and that's all. why Spike Lee named his production company 40 Acres and a Mule. Shout out to Spike. But yeah, it was really triggering. And I think I, Spike is doing where he's making Dean the character of gentrification. Mm-hmm. It's all over Brooklyn. It's all over New York. It's in LA where we live right now. It's everywhere you look. So to have him make these horrible speeches and kind of talk and be like, I know the pain because I was there and I went through what you guys went yeah. through and my beautiful black queen and it's like, fam. Stop. <laughs> so I felt very good. I was nervous for Nola because I thought they we're going to throw her out of yeah. the dinner because she was going off the rails but I was happy that she called him out but it's unfortunate because he was very petty and he took away her $10,000 stipend but he is giving it to someone else so that was very but it was still very much like it was still very much him controlling the black narrative and that's yeah. what like got under my skin but I did think it was super dope that they had the artist who painted Michelle Obama's portrait yes. on yeah, the show that was cool I was like living for that but yeah his his whole thing just like it just had me I'm not going to lie I was watching it the whole time I was like I'm annoyed like I'm Aggie like I walked away from watching it and was just like because it's real like, it reminds you, it's real life it's, it's real life and it and I think Spike and creatives like him do that to trigger you mm-hmm. to bring something out to have these conversations because mm-hmm. the shit that he's putting on Netflix is literally happening today it ain't happening 200 like it's happening today and I that's why I think people could love and appreciate Spike for that whether you like him or you agree with this politics he makes art Ava DuVernay they make art where they're gonna make you talk about the shit and you yeah. don't talk about it there was something that Ulu and, and uh, Nola talked about that it's funny because I I'm in, my dad's an immigrant and like I feel like it's such a strong conversation that I've heard so many times growing up um, about like how is segregation was segregation good like did that actually do anything for us or did it hurt us and hearing it talked out was really interesting just because there were a lot of valid points on both ends um, and I like that Spike is unapologetic to like you know kind of put that conversation on the table yeah Spike got his Oscar and he doesn't care but you guys brought up the artist so I just wanted to highlight um, what I love about Spike Spike gives us a history lesson mm-hmm. on black history art music with the music we get every album cover like because I'm at, I'm on Spotify and iTunes and title like okay this is perfect so what Spike did the first thing he did he brought up something called the Oak Bluffs uh, that I know I've never heard of before and we got a history lesson from the lovely couple that Nola meets where they explain what the Oak Bluffs were where black people would come to Martha Vineyard Martha's Vineyard to feel safe to feel like humans and it became mm-hmm. a thing where it's now a culture President Obama spends time in Martha's Vineyard so there's a whole black community um, they actually have a website as well too <laughs> if you google Oak, Oaks Bluff which I did uh, they have a community and he also had real life artists in the show so we got to meet Carrie May. uh Carrie Mae Weens, and for those who don't know who Carrie Mae Weens is, her art is called the Kitchen Table Series, where I don't know if, if you guys Google it, it's the picture in black and white from, I think, the 60s, where the black mother is sitting at the table with the little girl doing the makeup. That's what she did. We got Tatiana, I don't want to mess up her last name. Um, we got Latoya Ruby Frazier, George C. Wolf, Titus Kefer, Tester Gates, 
Amy Sherald um, and a few other folks. And Amy Sherald, like you said, is the woman who did the Michelle Obama painting. So what were you guys thoughts when you got to see some like real artists? Did you guys think they were actors or were you excited? Are you guys fans of art and jazz and music and the stuff that Spike puts into the show? It felt really authentic and real. So mm-hmm. I was like, at, I waited for the credits and I was like, oh, okay, when they said like as themselves, I was like, I knew it. Like, it, yeah. cause it didn't feel like it, it was so specific for it to f- just feel like it was part of the cast. Like, it really did feel like real people, especially, I, I really did appreciate the Michelle Obama part as yes. well. I thought that was cool because you think about it, it's like you walk into the White House and what do you see? Just like a bunch of portraits of past first ladies and everyone's white and then you go in there and the guy was explaining how it's like that's gonna make you feel Mm -hmm. a certain type of way when you see that and like how cool is that to have something different for one we're gonna have that now for the rest of our lives yeah Yeah. there's a great part where a great photo where there's a little black girl looking at that michelle Mm -hmm. obama picture so Mm -hmm. there's little black girls or other girls who can look up to that and be like wow I can definitely be that one day or even be president of the United States. Yeah. I recognized a few of them and I was like, oh, this is dope. But to have her, to hear how she was chosen, because I don't think that was scripted. I think they literally would just yeah. like, tell us how that happened, <laughs> um, which is like super powerful. I remember when I first saw that portrait, it like really brought me to a lot of emotion because it's just like, damn, we're really alive when like, like we really got to see the first black president and first first lady a black first lady and like the poise and the power that they had and then just to see that portrayed into a portrait that's going to be there for forever like it's always going to be there it's going to be you know amongst these these other presidents and whatnot who were slave owners and just like the power that was in it and the power of knowing that a black woman painted it like it was just very encouraging especially after having that little stint of like uh the dean situation i was like okay I'm not completely annoyed <laughs> Thanks, spike no it was it was amazing it was refreshing and it was dope because like i said spike kind of gives you a history lesson where if there's things you don't know you now will go and google you're gonna google artists you're gonna google music locations i definitely googled oak bluffs because now i really want to go and i want to see the black community i've been to Marcus Junior a few times when i was younger but i never knew mm-hmm. that existed so thank you spike lee for she's gotta have it season two what an amazing episode two episodes that we talked about um before we wrap everything up let's get into some news and gossip so anthony ramos who plays our favorite mars was recently uh did an interview with vulture and he's talking about just the season which i'm not gonna talk about because it's gonna give away some stuff but he did talk about he's gonna be in the in the heights movie which um I'm super excited about because I I was going to say I love that musical um, but he uh, they asked him how it feels to be in the In the Heights movie he says it feels amazing this was the first musical I've ever seen where I was like I know all of these people I know the blonde lady I know the bodega (laughs) owner that changed the game for me before then I wanted to quit acting I was feeling so discouraged because I wasn't wide enough or black enough or tall enough or short enough for the role I couldn't be a leading man then people were like your technique isn't quite there to be in the ensemble there were so many years of where do I fit in and then I saw a group of people who look like me all shapes and sizes and they were living their best Latin lives oh Anthony Ramos you are absolutely perfect we love you we love you as Mars and I love the representation that's why I'm happy that Spike kept bringing up Puerto Rico because I think it's important and it's beautiful and Anthony you're beautiful and we here love you what an amazing two episodes. Woo. Really, really good. Um, 
before we head out, well, before we head out here, guys, don't go too, too far because later on we are going to recap episodes five and six, I yes. believe. Yes, we are. Because <laughs> again, the show's already out and I know that you guys binge it over the weekend, so we want to get the reviews out as soon as possible. So we will be binging that and coming back to you guys shortly. But before we go, ladies, let the fans know where they can find you at. Hey, everyone. You can find me on my website, MinaWahab.com, or go to my Instagram, at MinaMakesMagic. And you guys can slide into the DMs on all things OKJJ. Okay, <laughs> and you guys can find me on all social media, at KikiBoomBoom. Don't go too far, because we, me and my ladies, will be back for some more recaps for She's Gotta Have a Seat. Send two. See you guys later. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.